Hey, ladies and gents, this is episode 31 of The Modern Recordist, the podcast where we talk about designing and living your life as an extraordinary artistic visionary, discussing inspiring and creative ideas around making music and art that creates an impact in the world. On this podcast, we sit down with musicians, songwriters, artists, producers, and all manner of artistic visionaries to learn exactly what we have to do and who we have to be to create meaning and live out our artistic visions. I'm your host, John Stinson, a Nashville-based producer and recording engineer, a collector of experiences, a lifelong learner, a lifelong teacher, an artistic visionary in my own right, and I welcome you to episode 31 of The Modern Recordist. So here we are at the end of the year. This is the second to last episode we're going to do for 2015. We've got one more episode coming to you after this one. And with these final two episodes to close out the year and mark the first six months of podcasting here at The Modern Recordist, we're kind of recapping things as well as Looking forward to the next six months and beyond for this podcast. So on this episode, we decided to re-air some snippets of the top three most listened to shows so far, which are episode one, episode five, and episode 15. So I'll start by introducing episode one and the guest, who is a great friend of mine and very talented an award-winning songwriter, as well as a recording artist and a producer. He's had cuts with artists such as Emerson Drive, had several publishing deals with some of the bigger publishing companies out there, and even played on the Today Show a couple of times. On the segment you're going to hear, we're going to talk about musical vision, what it takes to get where you want to go, and the importance of mentorship, among many other things. Uh, go check out episode one to hear the full episode and all the knowledge bombs and takeaways in their entirety. This has been the most, the most downloaded episode of the modern recorders to date. So make sure you get hip to all the thoughts and ideas shared by this guest, which everyone has found so valuable. So here it is. He's a regular at the Bluebird Cafe, which is an institution of country music and singer-songwriters in Nashville, where the best of the best play and showcase their music regularly. Please enjoy the first portion of this three-part compilation show, starting off this segment with a song called Jackhammer, is my good friend Paul Sykes. This old boy got a concrete heart Take an act of God to break it apart So someone must be praying hard Cause there she is That little southern gypsy 
She showed up here and hit me like a jackhammer. And it don't matter where I go, what I do. That girl knows how to break on through like a jackhammer. It's dangerous around a girl like that. She'll knock you out in no time flat. So I best put on that old hard hat while she does her thing. There's nothing like the sound when she gets my heart to pound like a jackhammer. And it beats faster. It echoes through the atmosphere and leaves a ringing in my ear like a jackhammer. And scream goodbye. I was gonna love her till the day I died. Man, she's gone. Oh, when my heart can't believe it, she broke it all to pieces. Oh, like a jackhammer. And I'm all shattered. I got caution signs around my street. She shown up when to work on me like a jackhammer. The way she went and jacked me up, well, that's got to prove she's nothing but a little jackhammer. She's a jackhammer. Jackhammer. She's a jackhammer. Yeah, that was Jackhammer. Awesome. Obviously, I was. Uh, that's that's weird because I was really I was thinking um, I was wondering what it was called. I was thinking yeah. it was something. Um, I don't know. It didn't, just didn't it didn't strike me as obvious that it was. Yeah, called Yeah, I, I thought, man, I've, I've used that word enough in the song. I think I ought to title it that. So that's kind of what happened. Yeah, yeah. I wrote no that with other my friend. Construction uh, tools. No, we we uh, you know. No, like, forklift? or No anything. forklift, okay. no bulldozer. Jackhammer just seemed kind of appropriate for that particular one. <laughs> for that yeah. for that particular person Jackhammer is the best it. construction tool. If you like pogo sticks, like, jackhammer is, <laughs> like, the tool for you, you know? So I think we, that's one of the reasons we chose that. Do you, are you a fan of pogo sticks? Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't until I wrote that song, Jackhammer, oh, yeah. yeah. And now I'm, I'm I more can, of a fan I now. never could get the pogo stick down. I never could. Yeah. I, my sister was a pogo stick master. I was so mad when I was growing up. I would try to pogo stick and try to figure out how to, this thing worked, and I'd always end up on my face. Like I don't know how to do it, man. I can't do a pogo yeah, stick. Yeah, it's it's. I can get like two bounces on yeah. it, and I'm I'm done. It's kind of yeah. dangerous. Pogo and uh, soccer is the only is the other thing that I think a lot of kids try and wound up being horrible at. Yeah. Pogo sticks and soccer for me anyway. I tried to get into Pogo soccer. Pogo sticks and soccer. <laughs> I've, I've got life figured out, guys. Yeah. Pogo sticks and soccer. Down to two just, categories. Just, you know, stay away from that stuff. That's the key to your uh, songwriter success, yeah? I your, think all so. your All the uh, childhood trauma that you had coming out of 
yeah. attempting pogo sticks yep. and soccer. That kind of really fueled me to, to be the best the rider I can be. So. Yeah. Yeah. There might be an opportunity for like a children's song version uh, called Pogo Stick. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that song's going to take me a lot of places for, yeah. for those reasons. Have you, ever, have you ever, have you ever, seriously, have you ever kind of written kids' songs or messed around with that at all? Yeah. Uh, actually, huh? one thing yeah, I've done. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one thing I've done that's been pretty fun is uh, I've had a few opportunities to <clears throat> go into some elementary schools and middle schools and. They'll have a day where uh, they bring me in, and we literally, with each class period, we write a song with the class, and we kind of we get the kids to give ideas, and I kind of help shape and tailor it to where we, by the end of the class time, you know, 45 minutes or whatever, you know, they, they've written a song. Oh, yeah. And they can go home with it, and uh, something, you know, it's it's been really fun. And so other, otherwise, I haven't really done like a kid's CD or anything like that, or like a song of children's music or anything like that, children's music, but... But I have gotten to do some things like that. It's been a lot of fun and rewarding. And, and, you know, one of the ways that as a musician you can kind of give back and inspire kids to maybe do what you do one day. Yeah. So that's been a lot of fun as well. Have any of those kids gotten any, like, Sam Hunt cuts or anything like that? <laughs> <laughs> and, then you, and then you come back. Possibly, you're like, I don't know. You're like, give me a cut of that kid. Right. Exactly. Like, I co-wrote that with yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Sam Hunt just recorded our song about a skunk and a reindeer being best friends. That's <laughs> amazing. Right. No, not that I know of, but who knows, man? <laughs> who knows? But that's so, been a fun outlet, is getting to do stuff yeah. like that, for sure. So, um, when you think about your music, how would you how would you describe your music? Like, I'm going for, what I'm, what I'm trying to, what I'm thinking of is like, from a like, you may not have ever thought about it this way, but just your sort of um the the what you evoke out of your music from a high level like when you think about your collection of work and what you draw on and what like what comes out of your music if i was to take if you were to look at your whole catalog of music and the stuff that you've written what are what is it where what's what's the essence i guess man that's a that's a good question it's kind of hard for me uh you know i think one of the reasons i could never be like a truly great artist is because I think the truly great ones really know how to embody who they are and what they do and what they do well and they they just know that I, I feel like I've always been such a chameleon with that and 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 wanting to do a, a little bit of a lot and uh experience with, with different styles but I, I do think that if I were to look at my body of work and everything I've done I, I do know that I you know not everything but a lot of it comes back to a kind of a soulful thing a bluesy kind of rootsy obviously i love i love just playing guitar so i think a lot of acoustic elements coming out even though my last record is not really acoustic um but there is that bluesy soulful thing i love to tell a story uh but man it's been so hard for me to like pick the the, the thing that i do and, and yeah. run with that you know and uh that can be a good thing it also be a bad thing but uh as a writer I appreciate that I'm that way and know yeah. how to delve into to other worlds a little bit, but uh, but I think at the heart of it, it it's kind of guitar driven and hopefully it has a message that that is uh, positive. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of it's in your mind. It's you want to have it's positive themes and things that that. Um, 
or if the themes aren't positive, at least maybe you hear the song and you can walk away positively from it. You know, right? I mean, it's, I, it's, you know. Yeah, it's it, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but um, yeah, I, I was going to ask you something that was related to that, and it just it just escaped me. Um, yeah, I, I just don't. I don't know exactly if I don't know how to pinpoint what I do. I just, uh, you know, I, I've toyed with the artist thing for a while, and I've, I've had some amazing opportunities uh, to to showcase myself as an artist. And uh, but it, you know, at the heart of it, I'm a songwriter. Before anything else, I, I'm a writer of songs, and and I feel like my job is to not be one thing. Yeah, you know. So okay, why music? Right? Why? What what is it for you? Why music? Why? I've, um... Yeah. Uh, well, you know, like I said earlier, you everyone. I don't know anyone that doesn't. Everyone loves music. If you don't, there's just there's something wrong with you. Everyone's inspired by something they grew up hearing, and, and whether whether you're a musician or, or an accountant, you can you can have that same kind of passion for what what you heard on the radio 15 years ago. That like, man, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I just I took a liking to to playing, and uh, I just kept doing. It. But really, when I started, I, I was thirteen when I started playing guitar, and I didn't understand for a long time that maybe I could actually maybe I could do this, maybe I could do something with it. And I, I kind of started writing songs, but even then, I was just kind of like I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't tied to the music industry. I didn't know anything about it, even though I lived close to it. I was I grew up in Clarksville, which is an hour from Nashville. But I just wasn't in that world and I just didn't know. But the more I, I played, uh I just I, I thought about, man, what do I want to do when I go to college and all that stuff? And I you know, I went to Lipscomb University which you went to Belmont and we yeah. met through through that early on through our mutual friends and but then I decided like, man, I think I can actually maybe do this. I'd gotten a minor in classical and the same thing with you, like, man, that wasn't my stick. Like I didn't really, you know, I wasn't fueled by that creatively, you know, mm-hmm. even though it was a great learning experience. But I was like, man, I, I think that I want to, not that you need a degree, but I decided to uh, kind of delve in and get a music degree at Middle Tennessee State, and which which is a great thing to do for one. Uh, if nothing else, the, the people you meet and the networking you, you get out of your time at a college to get a degree, it's not the degree, it's the, the people you meet. Uh, so that was a valuable experience. And, and that is kind of then when I was like, man, I think I'm going to, I've been writing for a while. I think I'm going to go for a deal of sorts, trying to get a pub deal and, uh, see if I can't do, yeah, I, I honestly couldn't envision doing something else. Mm-hmm. It, it, and I had no plan B. I was like, I'm going to wait tables until I can support myself. I'm going to mow grass. You know, I'm going to have these crappy jobs so that I can have time to do what I love, and hopefully it'll pay off. Unfortunately, you know, I had my last job waiting tables in 2007, and uh, that's the last time that I did anything other than music full-time. So I just feel really blessed to, you know, I I don't definitely haven't arrived, and I'll never think so, but I I do feel blessed to at least be hanging in there, making a living. What was was the key moment for you that... that that flipped that, that the tipping point, as it were, into that, into being able to 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 just support yourself and do yeah. like when you when you woke up one and you realize like oh I'm here like I don't I can 
totally support myself doing exactly yeah. what I want to do. And I, this is what I, this is the goal, you know, this is the, where I set out to be. And now I'm here. What was, what do you, what was sort of that moment? It's a tipping point that, that got well, you there. I graduated college in 04 and, uh, I started taking a lot of meetings then. And I had a really good mentor at the time, uh, Jeff Carlton, who's a really respected publisher in town and done a lot of great things. And he was super great with meeting with me and listening to my songs and critiquing them. And, uh, set me up with some writers, and I was nowhere near ready to be signing a deal. I, I had, like, I thought because I had a couple of good songs that that then I was deserving of a pub deal, and which I learned that's not the case. you got to be doing, got to be writing those every day, you know, or getting pretty dang close or whatever. So I had some good songs, but I wasn't consistently reaching that bar, and, and Jeff uh, helped me uh, set the bar higher. So I just kept writing, and, uh, and obviously hearing how many great songwriters in town you hear stuff you're like man I'm, I'm not for whatever reason I'm not there yet I'm not that good so I, I just kept working at that uh and then I, in 2007 uh I was waiting tables and I'd written a song called The Extra Mile that you we kind of alluded to earlier uh and it got picked up by Emerson Drive to be on uh their record they released back in uh, I think 08 uh but anyway, because of that song, and I was starting to write, you know, more consi- more consistently good songs, I guess, uh, I landed my first publishing deal, which, of course, uh, mine had a draw where I was able to financially be sustained mm-hmm. and, and drop my uh, job waiting tables. Thank goodness. It's, man, that's a tough job, man. It's a great job to experience and, mm-hmm. and to know what that's all about, uh, but I'm glad I'm not doing it anymore. But yeah, that's when I got my first pub deal, 07, and and uh, you know just started getting more involved in the industry. And, and as time went on, you know, and you meet people, people hear what you do. And I've gotten to go on the road with some great artists playing guitar for them. Uh, Brett Eldridge, for one, I've spent some time on the road with him. Uh, Jeanette McCurdy, who you you might remember from the iCarly show, uh, she was Sam Puckett on that. She she had a huge following. Still a friend of mine, and. Uh, but she had to deal with Capital at the time, and I was on the road with her for eight months. And another Sony artist, Angie Johnson, I've got to tour with her. And uh, just relationships you make along the way, it all becomes a part of your journey. And I've had, uh, since my first publishing deal, I've had two others. Uh, one with Sony, and then I'm now with Debbie Zavitson, uh, who used to run ZMG, Zavitson Music Group. And now she's on her own and uh, and just a great champion uh, believer in what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, so the journey has been fun and I've learned a lot and, uh, and I, I just hope it continues, you know? Yeah. So, um, like a, a publishing deal like you had, why don't you explain, like explain sort of the mechanics of that and how that fits into your, like yeah. what you do and like your sort of your career. And so how does that, what, how does that fit into that? What are the components of it? Well, uh, you basically, you have to promise your, your firstborn child, uh, and then you're good, man. Then you just have all kinds of success. But and that's it. That's it, man. You just sign over children. That's pretty easy. That's <laughs> no big deal. That's pretty easy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's real easy. Yeah. No, but for real, though, I, I think that uh, what the publishing deal did for me was it opened the door up for me to write with a lot of other established writers and people that were really doing their thing and have success. Uh, so, like, what are some of the components of, like, when you have, 
how is that a tool? I'm just trying to kind of um, maybe dissect the, the the idea of what a publishing deal is in the business sense, just so people can get an idea yeah, of, well, of how that works and how it, how it, how it plays into a songwriter like yourself right. and your career and um, that kind of stuff. Well, keep it you know super simple for those listening that you know might not know about the publishing side. When you write a song, uh, you can consider that song a pie, you know. And that pie is split into every time you write a song, it's split into the writer's share and it's split into the publisher's share. And if you don't have a publishing deal, you have the entire pie. Generally, in you know, in Nashville, uh, when you sign a publishing deal, they may pay you some money a month, it puts you on salary uh, in exchange for your publisher share or half the pie. Um, so they. They have skin in the game now, and they, you know, since they're paying you, they they get your publishing or whatnot. Well, they have skin in the game to pitch your songs, to get them out there in the market, to, uh, you know, hopefully have success, and you have success because of them, and and vice versa. Uh, And it's a mutual relationship that you enter into. They're not your boss, and and, uh, they're not the boss of you or whatever, but... uh, but it's just a mutual relationship that you agree to work together and uh, you kind of give up some things in order to hopefully have success because a publisher has the means by which to get songs recorded and get songs indoors that you may, as a writer, not have available to you. So that's where a publisher comes in. Um, it can be a little confusing, but, you know, and then there are certain uh, organizations that when a song's played on the radio, they, they get you paid and, and whatnot. Uh and that you know can go and all that stuff too, sure. but uh, but f- really the the I think the greatest thing about a publishing deal is Nashville's such a perception town, man. If you if you have a publishing deal as a writer, you know mm-hmm. for what it's worth, it's it's perception, man. Mm-hmm. That, that oh this person's legit, and that's it's a big deal mm-hmm. in town to to have perception that you sure. are successful. Yeah, and a pub deal uh, for better or worse does that for you. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Yeah, I'm. Uh, that's, you know, that's sometimes those uh, things are kind of. It's sort of the appearance yeah. of things. It's kind of like um, um, the surface level um, badges, as they were, of of success. The people like you know, oh, this guy's driving around a BMW. Yeah. Then he must be right. You know, whatever. That's unfortunate. It's like you know, in the entertainment business. There is a lot of that, yeah. you know, unfortunately. And, you know, there, there's a fine line with, with playing that game because, you know, you don't want to get so caught up in perception that you lose sight of who you are. But right. at the same time, it is, you know, it's something to keep in mind that, you know, if people think you're great, well, maybe you are. But, it, it, you know. Sure. But I just think that uh, a thing like a publishing deal or like a record deal, those tangible or, you know, things that people see attached to you, for whatever reason, it makes a difference and, and draws people's their attention mm-hmm. towards you more so than, you know, whatever. So that means. then um with the uh with the with the publishing deal and that kind of stuff, imagine that you um a big portion of it is just sort of built in networking, right? I mean they've got a it helps you get um your foot in the door with other kind of songwriters and Oh get, absolutely. You know. Yeah. It's a great tool to have. So do they so I mean uh, they're they're mat, sort of playing matchmaker a lot with you and yeah I, I think a good publisher is really good at strategizing uh, a good publisher won't just throw you in with some other writer without assessing well what are what are a writer's strengths and 
what does this other writer do well that maybe we can match them? Like you said, that's a good word for it, uh, is match matchmaking. Uh, you know, simply, if, if someone's a great guitar player, not a great lyricist, obviously pair them up with a great lyricist, you know, and mm-hmm. see what happens. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of that, uh, trying to see what works. And sometimes you throw stuff against the wall, see what sticks. And, you know, I could sit in a room with a super successful guy that's had however many songs recorded and and it's not a good match you know maybe something doesn't happen mm-hmm. organically and that's okay too you know it's all about kind of finding out what what works for is, you is there can you is there any way that you can sort of do you know what that chemistry kind of is i mean like do you have a way of like when you get in a situation where you walk into a room and you start work with somebody and it's either boom like okay there's some chemistry here and we're we're getting somewhere or uh just not gelling i mean do you kind of yeah. know I mean, like you kind of know, know what how that quickly is i don't know how quickly i would assess that like i, I give everything a shot and I, I like i generally like getting in a room like it's funny because you go into a room with a complete stranger at times to write a song which is an intimate experience you yeah. know you're sharing thoughts and things that yeah, you imagine know, you have to. Sometimes you it's you, a blind you, you date. Get, you get, yeah, you get super, but you get personal. Like, yeah, sometimes it's a like personal thing. because you're writing a song, and a lot of times, I mean, um, imagine that you know you're pulling on some some essence of a story or whatever that's this real thing that happened yeah. to you or somebody else, and it could be a a super personal getting you know very honest with a person right. that maybe you just met like you know, a few minutes ago or something. Right. I've had very, I can't think of one experience where I just don't like the person I get in the room with. It's, it's generally, if you don't come up with something, it's still a good opportunity to, uh, to get to know someone a little bit. And mm-hmm. if you don't get a song out of it, that's, that's, there's obviously worse things in the world than that. Uh, but yeah, sometimes you get into it and you realize, man, it's not quite meshing, but right off the bat, I wouldn't say that I know that when I walk into a room. Unless mm-hmm. I'm just having a bad day and just mm-hmm. not feeling it or something, mm-hmm. but you know, you show up to your cubicle when you're having a bad day and you work. Yeah, and I, I kind of take the same approach. Yeah, so that's something I was interested in is like, how do you, you know, you, so you're you write three days a week. I mean, boom, you're just at like, least that's what you're gonna four, actually, you're, no. you're gonna you you just like you make that decision, right? Yeah, it's not like. Like, you know on a week-per-week basis is like, I'm going to write four days this week. I'm going to write three days this week. It's not like you get up and you go, am I in the mood to do it or whatever. You, right. It's like, these are the days that I have to show up. Like, you make yeah. it, you, well, you make it an obligation to show up. Yeah. Do it. yeah. Well, I'm always like, I'm in a constant state of work, you know, whether it be, like we said earlier, observing or, and production stuff has taken off a lot too. So when I get a... Uh, a large batch of songs to work on. I'm, sometimes I'm just in production mode, but I'm still always thinking of songs and getting ready to, to write, even if that week writing-wise is slower. Uh, so production's been like an extension of me as a songwriter. I've really enjoyed learning, recording, uh, and, you know, arranging. Yeah. So has that has that in, that influences your writing? Absolutely, especially in the last... How how does that has that influence your writing? I mean, what are some what are what what's some, some specific examples of that happening where you you remember it's like because you maybe expanded your studio in a certain way yeah. or what have you, it changed and influenced how you approach well, writing. Being able to produce, particularly as a songwriter, 
Uh, I'm working with some awesome up-and-coming artists. Uh, one in particular, uh, this new duo on Warner Brothers. Um, fantastic sister duo. Um, well, we can write. I can write a song with them and know that I can go in and make a legit awesome recording of it right then and there, which I didn't have that capability before without spending a thousand bucks in a studio elsewhere. Now I can go in and... and <laughs> spend 150 bucks and do the whole thing myself and uh, come away with something that they can either pitch or hopefully record down the road. And that's a, a specific advantage of not being able to record your own stuff mm-hmm. that I can think of. And plus, you, it's uh, it just gives you, it's, it's fun to, especially the, where country's headed now, you know, you can d- debate all you want about, uh, you know, there's a lot of purists out there like, man, it's not like it was in the 70s. And I, I used to kind of like be a little bit of a Pierce in that regard, but man, the '80s didn't sound like the '70s, and the '90s didn't sound right. like the '80s. Yeah, it, it's know, always evolving. Yeah, you know? yeah it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I actually, uh, I used to be like, man, this disgruntled old man. Like it's not like Johnny Cash. And all. <laughs> well, no, it's not. But, um, but uh, there's some amazing songs coming out right now on country radio, and some awesome artists that I'm becoming more and more fans of. And uh, and as a producer, the Sonic the landscape is so much more broad now and you can do so much more in country production Mm -hmm. than you could 10 years ago. Hello again, all you witches and werewolves. It's your host, John Stinson dropping in again real quick to introduce the next segment of this three part compilation show. Hope you enjoyed the first part of the show with a re re airing of my good friend, Paul Sykes. Real quick before we get into the next segment, I want to share a free resource I put together with you. It's called Recording Drums 101. This is a free resource on my website that gives you tons of simple drum miking setups that are easy to understand, don't require a lot of studio gear to pull off, and sound great. This is stuff that I learned from working with and studying tons of hit makers over the last 10 years go check it out and use these setups in your next sessions when you're gearing up to record your music you don't want to focus on uh on all the uh technical drivel you want to focus on the creative process and the performances so um don't let technical drivel take you out of the zone go to my website johnstinson.com scroll down on the front page just a little and check out the big recording drums 101 graphic there while there drop your email address into the form on the page and I'll send you more great recording and songwriting tips that you will find very valuable as you continue to create music. And now onwards to the show, this next segment of the show comes from another one of the three, uh, top most listened to episodes of the modern recordist. This is from episode five The guest is a very talented producer-engineer that is a part of the Nashville community. On this particular episode, he shares with us many nuanced ideas around creating art, ways to generate income as a musician, and how to pull out great performances and ideas from artists and musicians in the studio. So as this is just a small portion of the full episode, make sure you catch the full episode, which is episode five, by either queuing it up in iTunes 
or by going to johnstinson.com and checking it out there. Make sure you remember that there's no H in John, so that's J-O-N-S-T-I-N-S-O-N, johnstinson.com. So yeah, we'll start this segment off with a cut from a record he produced. Friends, please enjoy this next segment with my friend, Ben Bishop. You're the first to change my state of mind Can two hearts align We're between some and something What a place for words that mean nothing Where the quiet sings If I'm not the one, tell me so Don't hold on just to let me go I will walk with you If you ask me to I would take the longest way If it ends with you And I guess it's true There's nothing that I Thank you. 
Thanks, dude. Okay, so um, what was the name of that artist? Maggie Delone. Cool. Yeah, she's a songwriter in town and uh, a singer as well. Um, well, she obviously, but I mean, she she plays out, but not too often. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Um, I guess uh, she she's doing this project that we're working on right now for for more of a licensing type of situation for TV and film. Um, and which I think is which is helpful to know ahead of time uh, mm-hmm. because you know you so say when you're produ- producing something you, you know you're producing it as for radio is it for yeah so we're allowed kind of more leniency for instrumental breaks and mm-hmm. an- more ambient kind of stuff mm-hmm. which would work well as as background music for 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 TV and film so it's like yeah. it's a different approach yeah. than like I'm used to which is for just super hooky, catchy yeah. stuff for the radio, like right away, like it grabs you. Um, I mean, this stuff's catchy too, but uh, it's, it's fun for me because it's different than what I'm, I'm normally working on. Yeah. Uh, and that actually reminds me for something I wanted to share with your, your listeners um, for people who are doing the freelance music production sort of thing. Uh, there's a, a website that I started using uh, when, I, when I first started working uh, on, on music projects called audio jungle and it's for world for basically licensing your music online to uh for royalty free for royalty free purposes okay so you post you you make a track it could have vocals it could be instrumental uh, and you post it on this website and uh you you have you have your account you have your profile and people can then search up when they want royalty free music and they'll find your track they'll like hey this works for my project i'll download it uh depending on what they price your your track as uh, you'll get uh, the commission rate. You'll get at least like either fifty to seventy percent, I think, of it. Um, and so they they take a cut from it, but sure. like, they're also like they're they're pricing it too. So I mean, anybody would anybody that would pitch it would take there be cut anyway. Right. So and yeah. so, and so uh, the, I find the the um, rate of purchase on that website is is pretty substantial. Like I. When I, I've had like maybe some months where I have maybe like 50, 60 tracks up on there, which uh-huh. is just like instrumental, uh-huh. just like fun stuff that I've worked on that I've never actually used for, for projects, and I'll post them up there. Uh, and you, you, when you sell them on there, uh, I mean, obviously they can get, be resold again and again when someone else wants one. It's not like you someone buys it and then it goes off the market. They, yeah, they right. license, sure. yeah. they license yep. it so yep. they can use it for their one project, and there's like a, a particular – uh, way that they can use it and they can't like if they want to sell the product that they're using it in the video whatever it's this price if they're using it for free for something for their free video and they're only using it once it's this price so yeah. they, they figure that all out sure but I mean you can you can make a decent amount of money uh, doing that Killer. Um, if I kept it up I kind of stopped producing for it like a year ago and I still make between like like 200 to 500 on like a good month a month yeah not that's a good yeah, doing for, anything yeah, yeah, basically you know? passive income it's yeah. passive income yeah. and, and so i mean i think that's really powerful for especially for musicians like that extra money yeah, absolutely is, is, is yeah, really killer. Good. yeah um so for someone who has some extra music lying around that they're not planning on releasing that's it's got to be pretty good quality um right and and it's got to fit their quality standards but i would i would definitely check that out so what would say the good side again and oh, it's, so i can i'll put it in the show notes yeah, too yeah it's uh uh, audiojungle.net okay audio jungle yeah there's a couple other ones out there um but that's a good one that uh that's pretty active right now cool i'm making a note to uh include that here in and the again show that's notes. just another thing that like when i was when i started working 
on those tracks. Like I just learned so much about music production and just like I would work in different genres, different styles. So even if you aren't having clients that you're working with that like that need a track a particular way, if you want to, you can just create something yourself that you, you like, that you think sounds good. And even if there's no one to buy it yet, um, yeah. or if there's no one who you know needs it for their record or, or wants to record it yet, you can still sell it. Uh, and, and it's not like you sign away all the rights. I think the way it works is if you have a song, like let's say you record vocals on the song and you, and you, you can actually take your song and sell it on the website. Um, and the only thing is if, you know, if someone uses their song on like a Toyota commercial, mm-hmm. your song on a Toyota commercial, you don't you don't get anything other than that flat rate that they paid. Yeah, you. yeah, that's so. different. It, it's a little bit of a sort of a blanket license kind of thing. So that's possible. Like people can on that site, it's possible oh. that, that a bigger sponsorship might right. come along. But they and, changed it now so that you kept you get a much bigger upfront. Uh, oh, I see. Payment I see. If they're going to use it for over an audience that's over a million people or, or whatever it is, yeah. So they they they've stipulated that because the web, the company was do- losing money too because yeah. so they were mad about sure. it. Sure. So right. Wanted- right. So yeah, that's cool, man. I, that's a that's a great tip. And and uh, you know, it's like making me think, and it strikes me as like you know, you're somebody who who's um, um, pretty resourceful in in your ability to be able to, like you said, you made the decision mm-hmm. that you're like we've kind of touched on like you're going to do this and this is what you're going to come down and like here's your vision here's what you're going to do mm-hmm. and and you figured out ways of not getting sucked into the um the sort of well I want to get a part-time job so that I can sustain yeah. myself and like not getting sucked into like cuz that's a you, that yeah. that's a that's a thing I mean, people get stuck there right that's a sticking point right. so that's great like what would your advice be to kind of cuz that's a challenge that's a huge challenge in life and you've been able to you've been able to push through that challenge for you what would if you were to like need, if you were to give somebody some advice to sort of um follow that kind of not get stuck like get past that sticking point right um somebody who wants to do what you do somebody mm-hmm. who's a crea- somebody who's a creative professional and some yeah. whether that be a musician or something like that um what would your advice be to to them about bringing that to fruition and like getting past that sticking mm. point uh, well, I think in the beginning, like I was saying for myself, in the beginning, it was, was helpful to get a lot of experience in whatever it was, even if it was something that I've never done before, never thought of working on this project, um, just so I could fi- I could figure out exactly what I want to do and what I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So that's sometimes that's a, a bigger thing that they yeah. realize, like, okay, what do I don't want to do? What do yeah. I not like working on? Or what are my strengths? And it's, sometimes it's not clear, like right away. Like you don't know necessarily that you want to do definitely want to do production or definitely want to do engineering. Maybe some people, or maybe they want to do the artist thing. Like mm-hmm. there's there's so many different paths to take. And I feel like just exposing yourself to every every style of music, um, as many different approaches. If something makes you kind of uncomfortable and you're like, I'm not quite good at that yet, maybe that's what you should be focusing on. Uh-huh. Um, uh, at the same time, though, I, th- I do think it's good to to play to your strengths too. Right. I think in in Nashville in general, it's you kind of need to be able to do like we we're talking about, wear lots of different hats, but still market yourself as uh, once you figure out that okay, this is what I'm good at, this is what I love doing, find a way to market yourself as that, but still mm-hmm. be able to do uh, you know a lot of different things. Sure. Whether, whether it's mixing or um, you know writing songs and or, or you know 
the promotional side of things, yeah. the marketing, the business. So thing. here's a question yeah. for you. If you could only do one thing, of all the things that you do, if mm-hmm. you could only were able to only pursue one of those things, you know, from you, there's recording, there's mixing, there's producing, there's there's mu- being a musician and songwriter, yeah. there's, you know, even like whatever, maybe what would what would you what's the thing that like really like super fires you up? Um, I mean, I just love working with really good musicians and good yeah. and good singers. Um, and so, but yeah, it would be, it'd be production for sure uh, mm-hmm. for me. Um, be, I, I I like playing music live, but I just really realize that like it's, that's not my calling as far as like mm-hmm. my main gig. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love being able to take my time and put the pieces together and like really like spend a lot of time and work on something that's mm-hmm. that's really beautiful that people can can relate to and, and really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I, I definitely think basically doing what I'm doing now is is what I yeah. love to be doing. I just on a more consistent basis, being able to work on projects that, that like we were talking about, yeah. excite me. That are the type of music that, yeah. And, and the one I'm working on right now is a, is a good example. Of yeah. That. I really love so the songs. okay, so what drew you in? Like, what was it about this project that you're working on right now that was just like that made you, just yes, like I'm. That's that's great. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, part of it, and I was going to talk about this too, tying it back into like advice for people who want to yeah. do this type of work, is the interpersonal part of things where you're, you know, how to work with people, learning how mm-hmm. to work with people mm-hmm. in a real positive way and how to kind of leave your ego at the door yeah. and just whatever serves the song, whatever serves the artist, whatever serves like your, your final purposes without like worrying about your ego. But yeah, to answer your question, I just really like working with her and, and, um, she's, she's really talented and we work well together. So it's like, mm-hmm. this is something that, I, so she asked me and I was like, of course I want to do this. And I love all the songs. Yeah. And that's the main thing too. It's like, once you hear the songs, it's like, uh, sometimes it's hard to if you don't really like the songs or or you think they're not where they need to be yet. It's hard to imagine right away. It's like oh, I know where it, I, all I need to do is change this and do change that, change that, and then it will be a, be a perfect song. Yeah. Knock it out of the park. Um, uh, so I mean, there's still I mean I, I feel like that's part of the pr- producer's job though. Is if the song's not where it need, needs to be, is you have to speak up and say, uh, and that takes that actually took me a long time to do to mm-hmm. be able to say. Uh, hey, this is not where it needs to be. We either need to re- revamp this, or maybe not even do it. Right. You know, and, and yeah. So, like, hey, that might you might lose business doing that, but more often than not, people respect that. Sure, because that's what they're paying. You, you're kind of you're like a you're like a team coach. You right. know, you are pulling. You've been hired to 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 pull the best mm-hmm. out of people. You know, sure. and to coach them through their musical um, creative process right. to help them make a decision about. Um, to help them make decision, musical decisions about what you know what to do and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's what you've been hired to do. You're not hired to actually write the songs, but you're. It's, I mean, sometimes you might be, but like you know, really like um, a lot of times the producer is the guy that's just there to kind of just say you're 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 basically say hey you are on the right track here. Keep doing that yes. or here you're not on the right track. This take another look at this. Yeah. You know, and that's huge too. Yeah. It's like when, when there isn't anything wrong, learning just to step back and just like let it happen, yeah. and don't have to always have your finger in the pie, like in like ha- yeah. having to say, yeah. oh well, you, let's try it this way, let's try it this way. Like um, sometimes the song is perfect, and you don't have to change it. Yeah, like it's great the way yeah. it is, the way the performing. So you're just capturing it. Yeah, and that's that's fun too. You know, yeah. as, as much as I love the creative side of things, like when you're just. Um, you're uh, facilitating a performance and, and you're realizing that this is something special. So I'm not even going to like fiddle mm-hmm. around with it too much. I'm going to keep it simple. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think like 
I, I just really love working with with people that are are fun, that are talented, that are really. Mo and the big thing for me is like motivated. Like working yeah. with people that this is for them. This is like this is what they love to do. This is yeah. what they want to do. So you know that when you're working on this project for them, that the harder you work on it, the you know, this could unlock doors for for both of you yeah. uh, and for the future. But also, I mean, this is something that you're both really going to be really proud of, as opposed to someone who's who's doing it more for. Um, who, music's a side thing, which is which is fine too. But like, I, I just love working with people who are totally committed to music. Yeah. This is what they they love. They just want yeah. to sing and they want to write songs because you know that this is really special for them. Yeah. So, so it makes you work harder. It, you know, it makes makes the whole process yeah. more more special. I yeah. Yeah. Totally. So a person. So it's like what kind of draws you into a project is you know, music that is resonating with you and your um, kind of um, tastes, and mm -hmm. then people that have that you're vibing with interpersonally just on a personal level yeah, going, like that feel like i've got a a, a great yeah. connection with this person and then beyond that somebody who is willing to walk through a fire to make their their yeah. their you know vision and their mm -hmm. dream and all that become a reality because you feel like you're part of something really bigger than yourself and bigger than them. yeah like you're, you're part of a a, a yes. career path you're yeah. part of it's like something special it's yeah that's cool so for you it's about the, the thing is, like, for you, being involved in something, facilitating something, that bringing it to fruition that feels like it's kind of bigger than all of us, right? And that's, like, the big thing for right. you that's really going to turn you on as opposed to, like, necessarily, you know, this is going to be the, the next, you know – top 40 hit or like whatever the like sure. you know, this is going to be the most ubiquitous song you know but but yeah. something it's more something that's that going to be it's going to excite you and excite yeah. them um and and that you can you can tell that that means a lot yeah. to the person you're working with um but yeah just going back to the interpersonal stuff like that's something that took a while too for me to to realize like you're sitting with with a with someone in the booth uh recording vocals and it's like how do you get the best performance out of them and really push them but not but keeping them relaxed and calm and not like stressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that that balance takes a long long time yeah. to, to yeah. get to that point. Yeah, where like you you know that they can get they can they can do better, and you want to keep getting it out of them. Mm -hmm. um, but you also want to have that atmosphere of just like laid back fun. Yeah, not not stressed. Yeah, out. it needs to be fun. But you've you've got to but you've also got to introduce some challenges because sometimes. Right. That people need to be challenged, mm -hmm. you know. For but sure. it, you can't always just be in like this. Yeah, you can't just always be in this place because it's got to be fun. People have to enjoy. Like they have to feel. It's got to be rewarding. It's got to be a reward. And that's that is that's like that's very kind of encapsulates just the creative professional day to day life sure. in general, right? It's this place of like you're doing it because you're jumping out of bed and so excited to do this every day. But at the same time, it's like you are you've got to stretch yourself you've got to you, you've got to because if you want to create something that's like in, truly impactful right truly moves a needle truly truly is like it's bigger than just you and bigger than mm -hmm. just the people that you're working with well that's you've that's a big sure. that's a lofty thing to do right you, dig deep you, you, you can't just <laughs> show up and just like yeah you can't just kind of um just kind of skate by the day and 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 no. create and at the end of the you know you can't just kind of like phone it in you, oh, you've got to you, you've got to yeah so that's cool yeah and it's definitely I'm glad you pointed that out because it is it's it can be when you're when you're hired as the guy to pull that out of people and show mm -hmm. up as that guy for them 
it's scary, right? You don't want to, sure. you, you like, sometimes it's like, how do I do this? Because I've got to make things uncomfortable. Sometimes it's you like, do. I've got to step into this place that's uncomfortable. Yeah. What if, what if what they're doing, they, they really want to do it one way, but you know, for the, the success of their goals and their project that it has to be this, this yeah. other way. I mean, I mean, you could be wrong, but I mean, you have to trust your gut. Like that's yeah. why they hired you, yeah. you know? And so, yeah. Uh, and you, so you can't always just be their friend right. because sometimes you have to, to uh, have those uncomfortable conversations, yeah. uncomfortable moments. Where it's, and, it, and it happens like more often, I feel like, with, with, when you're working with musicians, like for like if it's for like an album or for a project, like not necessarily the main artist, because hopefully you're on the same page, but yeah. like you're on the same team. But sometimes you have musicians who's like, oh, this needs like a ripping guitar solo here. And like, well, maybe it doesn't need it yeah. there. How about just single note, like melody yeah. lines? It's like, no, I'm going to do a solo. It's like, yeah. no, you're going to do yeah, the yeah, melody yeah. lines. Sometimes, you know? yeah, people get, uh, <laughs> that's a, um, that's a, um, well, I, I find that being one of just kind of the challenges of making a record uh, for me is, um, that goes in un, you can follow that under the 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 category of hey everybody like think about the project don't mm-hmm. think about your part on the project think right. about you how you fit into the bigger picture think about yeah. the whole picture because um yeah you, you there's a reason why you're here playing guitar you're an incredible guitar player and right. i know that you're able to do pretty much anything sure but you know that we don't need a a we don't need some kind of Eddie Van Halen crazy thing <laughs> yeah we don't need that on this you sure. know and like you know, a lot of times, you know, a lot of times in pop music, it's just, it's simple always wins, you know, that's, a, that's a yeah. lot of the, a lot of, of course, you know, it's part of the arrangement aspect of it too. It's like, I've, I've caught myself, um, when I first started working on, on, on music projects being a little too complex, especially in the bass levels of like, you know, the rhythm section, like drums and bass and some guitar stuff. And I, I wanted each part to be interesting to listen to by itself. Yeah. And that was a big mistake because mm-hmm. once you have six or seven instruments all doing that, and then you're like vocals and layers on top yeah. of that, like they can't all be doing something unique and, 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 you know, the self-serving, you right. know, it's kind of like, you have to look at, you have to be able to look at the bigger picture. Yeah. Say, hey, the simpler I play this part, the more interesting I can make yeah. this other part, yeah. the more emphasis I yeah. can give to yeah. this other yeah. part. Yeah. So it's kind of just that, this like, um, this big holistic way of, of, of looking at right. it, which I think yep. is, I I like think that. is important. That's great. Sure, yeah. So, um, what, um, what are, uh, we've probably, we've only got a few minutes left. So, okay. um, I'll ask you a couple of things as we kind of wrap this up. Um, first of which being when, um, you're, when you're faced with a challenge like that, when you know, when you're like, you come up into a, a, a place where it's like, okay, I need to step into this, kind of this this territory and challenges person and right. like push back like um what um like how do you how do you do that that's a challenge like you, you know because it's hard like we said it's hard to um when you when you know that you've got to you, you now you've now you have to make the choice to actually step into that place sure. right so what is it um how do you get there how do you pull how do you step into that place show up that way meet that challenge and pull an artist bring the best out of them like what what is it that like how do you how do you accomplish that well are you talking more as, along the lines of when there's a disagreement between you and the person or is is there just getting the best performance out of them or both yeah kind of maybe one and the same i yeah, mean i guess kind of yeah. you know um i think well for the first the first part uh i cheat and say hey let's try it your way let's try it my way and then we'll decide later and then I just pick my way 
Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I'm yeah, kidding. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't actually yeah, right, do that. Right, right. <laughs> um, but I mean it is good to try both ways and and say cuz sometimes yeah. you do come up with something and like you realize that maybe that's not right. Yeah. And that's yep, okay. Yep, yep. You're at least trying to see what what So works that's better. good. You've got your you've got your ego checked at the door to always yeah. to know yeah, I may not have I may not be the right answer. But yeah. you owe it to yourself and you owe it to the person who hired you to at least explore that and see mm-hmm. okay, I'm feeling something's not right here. I feel like this could work instead. So let's let's try it out mm-hmm. because more often than not, you know, if something's bugging you, um, there's a reason why it's why it's bugging yep. you, and like there's okay. pe- other people who are listening that are going to it's going to bug them as well. I mean, th- to a degree, sometimes an, us engineers and producers like get too detail focused and like we're not actually gonna the listener is not gonna notice that. But if you're if you can like take, zoom out and like listen to the song as a whole and like something's not feeling right. You know, there's there's a reason for that. I mean, like mm-hmm. your your ears should be trained to to pick those things up. Uh, and so, you know, I usually, I mean, you have to speak up. You have to say something. You have to you have to try try out your ideas, um, and and just kind of, hopefully, the the person you're working with, their their ego is checked enough to let you let you do that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, at the end of the day, if the person the person's hiring you, and and if they want it, they definitely for sure want it this one way. I mean, that's that's what mm-hmm. you have to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. but uh, you you can push back quite a bit if you uh, feel like it needs to be uh, a certain way. And, and I think it's important to just explain why you feel that mm-hmm. feel that way. It's like, okay, well, this uh, this guitar part I feel like needs to be louder in the mix, or this um, you know this vocal this this vocal part I feel like that other harmony doesn't work, but they really mm-hmm. like the harmony mm-hmm. there. Uh, you you can kind of like if you can f- explain why by like. Maybe maybe they had like reference songs they sent you, yeah. And you're like, hey, your reference song. And one of the things that I think was cool about this song, maybe one of the reasons why I like it, is because it sounds this way. But if we put this on there, it won't have that same vibe. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, sure. It, it, it's it's kind of a hard hard question to answer. Sure, yeah. It, it takes, it's very yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, take, it takes uh, you know, it's, it's a situation yeah. situational thing. Yeah. And finally, you honey badgers, let's bring it home. This final segment comes yet again from one of the top three most listened to episodes of the modern recordist this time episode 15 on this episode we sat down with yet again one of my good friends and very unique and thought-provoking artist in the national music community this guest actually was my first ever bandmate when i first started getting interested in making music 20 years ago On this segment, we discuss how and where he draws influence and inspiration, alternate tunings, and his very unique writing process. This is really interesting, so trust me, you're going to want to listen to this whole segment. Make sure you catch the full episode in its entirety as there is so much depth to this discussion and so much to learn from our guest and his unique methods for crafting interesting music. And if you're getting something out of these snippets, there's tons more where that came from. There are now over 30 episodes of The Modern Recordist with tons of guests that share inspiring thoughts around how to create art that creates an impact in the world. And many other episodes where I run solo in the studio to share ideas around how to live out your artistic vision. We've got a few episodes that even focus on specific recording topics and such things like that. So make sure you get subscribed and stay subscribed to The Modern Recordist. 
as we move into 2016, we have a ton more stuff planned that will continue to bring massive value to you over the next six months and beyond. Stay tuned for episode 32 next week where Parrish and I will share more of the specifics of what we've got planned. And make sure you you support this podcast so that we can continue to provide great value to you in the future. The more exposure this show gets, the more we can continue to bring on bigger and bigger guests that will share their success secrets with you, whether that be in the arena of songwriting or producing or recording or mixing. The more listeners we have, the bigger and more notable guests we can continue to bring on. So make sure you support the Modern Recordist podcast in these three ways. First, get subscribed and stay subscribed. The more subscribers we have, the more exposure we get in iTunes. The more exposure we get in iTunes, the more value we can provide to you. Second, leave a rating and review on iTunes. Good and honest ratings and reviews, yet again, help us get exposure in iTunes, which as mentioned, helps us continue to bring on great guests and provide more and more value to you. And third, share this podcast with three friends. If you're getting something out of this and know a music fan or a fellow musician or a bandmate who would also find this podcast valuable, make sure you share it with them right now. Tap the share icon in your podcast app or copy a link and paste it into an email, whatever works best for you. But just make sure you share this show with three friends. Okay, with that, we'll get into this last segment of this episode with my good friend, Ted Fox. You know, growing up in Nashville, I had just absolutely detested country music. You know, uh-huh. I just, I, it was the enemy. I hated it. Um, I really kind of hated everything about Southern culture in general. And, uh, when I got to Belmont, you know, I'd meet these musicians from all over the country who were really into things like Bob Dylan and Hank Williams Sr. and Johnny Cash and, and all this stuff that I yeah. had never just never, I wouldn't even listen to it, you know? Yeah. And uh, so, you know, at, at Belmont, what ends up happening at night is all the really, really, like most talented musicians I've ever met in my life uh, would just be huddled up in these living rooms, you know, smoking weed, drinking beer and, uh, mm-hmm. and just playing. And I was, I've never seen musicianship like that, you know, before in my life yeah. and they'd always be playing you know like bob dylan and stuff and yeah so slowly just sort of being in those hazy rooms and sitting around listening to it you just it, absorbed it It started to grow on me yeah. i started to really love bob dylan yeah. Hank senior you know like all these things that i'd never really right. given a shot before because i was all you know just grunge and then post-rock was what i was in you know yeah. around 2000 i think happy songs for happy people was like the ultimate album to yeah me from mogwai and yeah. i just wasn't I, I had no interest what year in did bob that dylan. one come out i want to say that was like 99 maybe okay 98 okay. it might have been 2000 it okay. was it was i might not have the time scale exactly yeah. right but that was the kind of thing i was into and then just slowly hanging out with all these people um it just started to grow on me and i started to just kind of see it as its own thing and yeah and uh but it was so opposite from what i was doing that i really i really considered them completely separate is it do you find that maybe it's kind of like you're doing this one thing for so long that you you, you get sort of you're like just sort of can't see the forest or the trees anymore. And you're just sort of like looking for, I mean, I don't want to like impose an idea on you, but this is mm-hmm. like sort of my experience, you know, even kind of a, uh, recently, even like it's been about sort of 
this thing that I've always had, right? This like type of music or like space, creative space I've always kind of played around in. It's just like, oh man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of stuck. Yeah. Because uh-huh. I, I mean, it's just what, what else? I mean, I'm, my mind is so full of this style. I was just like, I feel like I'm repeating myself right. or like, you know, and then, and then it's just sort of all of a sudden you're just like, obscure things that they're kind of like obscure to you become interesting or something. You right. Know? Yeah. I kind of had a similar experience with you of, you know, because I don't know the grunge stuff. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of the grunge stuff was kind of this, this sort of uh, uh, a rebellion against the things that had become a little bit more slick. So like, you know, like you, some like the hair metal bands of the eighties or like the more kind of like poppy stuff leading up to it. And then you had the grunge stuff that came around that was like, you know, kind of like, let's just, let's go anti-slick, right? You know, but then you've got these other guys in there like the Smashing Pumpkins and producers like Butch Vig and people like that that were like, um, kind of marrying the two together almost. Like they were still like kind of making it, it was still like this like slick kind of produced up music, but the, mm-hmm. but then in a, like a, a sort of had this visceral sort of like way about it, you know? Right. And, and that was what was really inspiring to me, you know? Um, there was a, like a certain level of, of kind of produced stuff. Right. It's not you know? as sloppy as a lot of the punk stuff that was going yeah. on outside yeah. of the mainstream. Right. So you had, time. exactly. You had like, like you had, it's sort of like you had punk, and then you had post-punk and shoegaze, which was sort of like, oh, well, here's this punk thing, but we're going to make it a little bit more palatable or something mm-hmm. and put like a little bit more music. It's got sort of a little bit more melodic, a little bit more structured, and a little bit more musicianship, you know, right? steeped into it. And then the American version was kind of like the grunge thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you you just you sort of had like uh, the CBGB sort of punk thing going on, but then you had the grunge thing going on, which was, which was like pretty... It had punk going, punk influence or whatever, but it was there was something about it that was just a little bit more kind of palatable or slick or, yeah, or I mean, accessible. I'm, I'm thinking of like in the grunge movement, like Pavement. They're a lot more yeah. sloppy. It's not, and in a great way, I love yeah, it, but yeah. it's it's not as uh, polished as yeah. you know, some of the bigger bands like Nirvana or Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like so, and it's funny. So like Nirvana and Smashing Pumpkins, like Nirvana, Nevermind, when Nirvana blew up that record. And then Smashing Pumpkins, both Butch Vig. And Butch Vig was known for being a guy who was like trying to be very slick and like be at the time, like really wanted to be this guy who like produced stuff up and made it really slick. If you ever watched, there's a, um, I've only seen snippets of it. Apparently, I guess it's a, some kind of Butch Vig Nirvana documentary thing or whatever. I've seen snippets of it on YouTube. Somehow, I don't know how I get to it. Somehow, like I guess when I'm going down the rabbit hole of like Butch Vig and producers or whatever, and this thing popped up, and it was Butch Vig sitting at the board, and they were like, he was pulling up the multi tracks of of you know some of the songs off of Nevermind, and he was, but he was talking about you know here's Kurt's vocal, and then here's where you know we doubled it and tripled it, and then we put Dave Grohl in there and like doubled up there, and we were like kind of filling out the vocal, making it a little bit more slick, and he's like, I had to really talk with Kurt and get him warm to this idea because you know i was in this place where i really wanted to kind of polish things up you know and kurt was not comfortable with that and he was talking about how he was like well the way i'd always get him to do it 
was I'd say, you know, John Lennon, he would double track things, you know? So, I mean, it's just, you had like Butch Vig was doing that, you know? And then there's like, then there's other guys like Terry Date and other producers that were of that era, um, Br- uh, uh, Brendan O'Brien and stuff. I mean, like it's like, I guess um, uh, uh, Pearl Jam, their stuff, early stuff was a little bit more slick, but it's still like kind of more visceral, you know, it's somewhere in between like the punk stuff and the other stuff. And that's kind of like where I came from, right? Mm-hmm. You know, something that was like, had a certain amount of slickness to it, but it was it wasn't completely punk, right? But it wasn't totally like some real slick, polished up pop thing, mm-hmm. you know. But then somewhere along the line, it's like I just got really interested in kind of what you're the stuff that you described, right? And just that that just like how raw can it get, mm-hmm. you know? And I got really into that idea, and I think that I think that um, maybe some of it had to do with when I got into the studio, I started doing the studio gig and working with lots of different producers. And then there was some records that were just a great experience for me and some producers that really uh, took me under their wing and taught me some things. And it, it was just seeing how they did it always, there was always sort of this kind of more of a visceral kind of um, let's, let's like make it raw and human. it's about being raw and human, you know? And like, mm-hmm let's drop the click track. Let's, let's, you know, Hey, it's sped up in that section, whatever. I mean, that's the way that people were vibing on it. You know, like that's how the musicians wanted to vibe on it. So let's let it speed up. And I got into that and sort of like, it kind of shaped me and I kind of like, you know, and then like even, you know, Jack White doing his thing and like, I'm friends with some of the people who have worked on those records and like just knowing like the aesthetic of it, I just sort of like it seeped into me as well, you know? Mm So, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's, and that's kind of, I don't know. It's like you find where you're like, I don't even know where to go anymore. Cause it's just, I'm so in this. So you just like, and part of it too, for me is picking up the guitar. I'm like, I don't even know what to do with the guitar right. anymore. Uh-huh. You know? So I start like turning on synthesizers and just like doing weird stuff with them. Yeah. Cause it's like, you can hit one key on a synthesizer and go, that sounds like something really cool. <laughs> I don't know what it's doing. You know, it's like, because you don't know, like it's back in the, like the power chord days, uh-huh. you know, when we're riffing all those stuff and come up with cool riffs, you know, mm-hmm. and playing on power chords, like we don't really know what we're doing. And part of the magic of it, like, is just doing like, you don't really know what you're doing. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I've had to do a lot of that with uh, alternate tunings. You yeah, know? I have to get to where I don't know what notes I'm playing yeah. sometimes because yeah. I'll just start doing the math of like which which notes coming, you know, which can, yeah. notes can I play and and, and it's like, like something like just in your brain, this like this part of your brain is just programmed and your hands just kind of do the same stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. So if you change the neck of the guitar around to where when your hands do those things, it's something different. Mm-hmm. I love alternate tunings. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, do you guys know Archie Bronson outfit that that band? Yeah. Archie Bronson outfit. Um, there was a friend of mine produced a record for them. It's a long time ago at this point, I guess. But um, it, you should check it out. What's the name of that? Derdang Derdang is the name of this record, and they've actually got a lot of their records are awesome. Like these, this band, you should probably listen to any of their records, really. But um, they mess around with these alternate guitar tunings and stuff. And it's just really like, it, I always remember when I listen to it, you know, that and like, and like my bloody Valentine, mm-hmm. the loveless record. Anytime somebody's like taking the guitar and like messing up like Thurston Moore, Frankenstein's out all these guitars, you know, and it's just like it now it's not really a guitar anymore. It's like something else, uh-huh. you know, I that's love that, cool. yeah. you know, so that's cool. Are you messing yeah. around with a lot of alternate tunings on this stuff you're doing? Now? Yeah. Which, uh, you know, which I've been doing for a while and, and I really like doing that, but when it, when it comes time to perform live, it gets to be such a pain because you got to find enough guitars 
that you could it's like radically different oh yeah you so want, you don't want to take all that time to tune you know the right. same guitar and so then you got to like so like you, you have a lot of different tune you don't you you're kind of like using a lot of different tunings across lots of different songs right mm-hmm. okay yeah i mean there's there's four or five different tunings on this album of 12 songs i think so okay um so i really i, I still do that a whole lot um cool yeah and i just i like it it helps me you know just get outside of yeah, what I'm stuck with, and do something besides power chords. Right. So that's kind of is that sort of, yeah. I mean, that's like a good way to kind of like segue into like your writing process and how you approach it, and like this body of work and what you're doing now. You know, pulling in those influences, where you're coming from, and how this you're shaping this, where your mind is. Um, kind of talk about your your writing process how do you how do you approach that when you do you sit down and start on the guitar or what do you do well i mean i think the the number one enemy for me is getting where you're talking about where like the guitar is sitting there and you don't even want to pick it up you know because it's just it's not fun anymore uh-huh. and there's a paradox with getting stuck with the same stuff because for one you feel like you can't do anything new but then the second you start doing something you judge by like these uh you have these these pillars of how it has to be and so then you won't allow yourself to do other things because like, oh, no, that's not cool or that doesn't, you know, that doesn't fit what I'm trying to go for. And you mm-hmm. can start like dismissing ideas as well. So it's like it's really double bad because uh-huh. you, you're you're not going down certain avenues in the first place. And then the few things you allow yourself to do, you're then taking it away from yourself because they're not, you know, they're not fitting that format. You're trying to get away from in the first place, yeah. you know, and so that can be a nightmare. So for me. I, uh, you know, I've, I've had a lot of success with just, um, you know, having like a movie on. So like the okay. soundtrack will be like up loud and I'll just kind of be messing around with the stuff that I normally do. But as the soundtrack is going, I'll start hearing notes that I'm not playing okay. and it kind of contrasts. I've also had good luck with, uh, putting like an iPod on, um, you know, shuffle in another room where I can't really hear it that okay. well. And then having the TV on and I've just found I'll stumble huh. across things as I'm playing. They'll be playing notes that aren't in the key. So you're putting on like you're putting on stuff. an iPod on an on a stereo, turning that mm-hmm. up, going in another room, turning on a TV, turning that up, and then just playing. What I normally sounds like would. you're like you're like composing music in an MK Ultra chamber. <laughs> yeah. Well, well no, the main reason I do it is because then you're getting fed with all these rhythms and notes that aren't in the scale and the rhythm. Yeah, you're I, I get it. Of, it yeah. That is because I've noticed sometimes I've had experiences like that where you've got something on in the other room and you walk around and it sounds like a kind of like a different song. It's like right. interesting how it just it psychologically hits your ear differently or something that's a cool idea man i like that then you'll you know say you have a melody in your head and then you'll hear the thing in the other room do something different and you're like oh whoa i could do that with that melody and and so usually when when i hear something that i really like like that the writing process is pretty quick after that okay and and say with lyrics as well once i get a first line usually it's real quick now sometimes I'll get a riff and it, it definitely sounds to me like a chorus or something. And then going back and trying to come up with a verse that leads, that's going to be a nightmare. Okay. I'll sit with songs for months sometimes okay. that way. Um, but usually if I get an idea about how the song will start, it goes real fast. And those are always the songs that I like the most where it's almost like I didn't even write it, you know, like, yeah. like almost I'm remembering it from the past yeah. or something. Yeah. There's, you know? there's, I've heard people talk about like that you, this idea of like you're not really writing songs you're just discovering them or something mm-hmm. like yeah. that you yeah know? Well, yeah when i'm in that mode that's the that's my favorite mode to okay be in for sure um it doesn't always work out that well sometimes you have to sit with a song for a very long time but what's the longest you've ever had to uh, well i mean these songs in particular some of them were getting changed up until very recently that i started when i first went to uh, college in 2000 so some of these songs were like in the works for 15 years okay you know um 
So I'd say that's the long. I've never I've never spent any longer than that on a song. But you know, I think like the very the very first song that I remember having like sort of start to finish put together for this album. It's called Drop It to Mania. I won't be playing it today, but it'll be on the album. And uh, that one I wrote in 2000, and and we were changing it up until you know last year when we were finalizing the recordings. So. so, but when you're talking about like you know writing a song, you know, um, I mean, because there's sort of I guess like a editing process. You could be changing stuff, even like in the studio. I guess mm-hmm. you could, you know, pre-production, right. all that. So, I mean, do you consider that it's not written? Like, when do you consider a song written? When do, would you consider it to be, you know, I mean, the, well, to I, you know, to me, it's when 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 we get done mixing and everything. Oh, yeah? You know, like, there it is. That's how it's supposed to be. I'm happy with that. Up until that point, you know, anything could change. And, okay. And, you know, there's like, you got to, it's, it's hard to know how to quantify or qualify an addition. You know, like, if you make an addition at the end, and it's just a few notes, but it's some really awesome hook, you know, over a part that seemed empty, and now all of a sudden that part really seems great. Yeah. To me, that's, maybe it's not that many notes you're adding to the song, but it qualitatively... It's, it can transform a song, right? But I mean, yeah. like, you know, I guess sometimes it's it's difficult. It's like maybe genre specific, but I mean, I you know, to be able to what is a song? You know, what I mean, like to strip it down to like just the very basic of what it is, and then like, but I guess you know, if you're writing a country song or something, you can say, well, it can be a guitar and a vocal, and that's the song, right? But sometimes I guess other other you know, other kind of genres of music are like, you couldn't, it's not, you couldn't really do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I guess kind of like with, it'd be like with classical piece like a whole symphony or something. What, what's the song? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's the whole thing, you know, I don't know, but yeah, it just kind of begs the questions. It's like, what is the song? Uh, you know, I, cause I, I like to think of, I don't know. I just kind of like to think of, of it, you have the song and you have the recording process. Of course, like there's influence in the recording process. You adding on overdubs, it may influence sort of the mood of the song or something, but Mm -hmm. the song itself, you could, it can exist without that addition because it already existed without that addition. You know what I mean? But yeah, I'm I'm discovering as you're talking that maybe I have a very specific definition of it because, well, I'm just, what I'm trying to, I want to understand. Yeah. 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 Cause I wouldn't consider an overdub of a part or even a harmony of a part as a as an additional writing process. So now yeah. I'm kinda, I've got a very flaky definition, but yeah, you know, and I've also got I guess I'm sort of on the other end of the spectrum from people I, I remember, you know, in, in high school or whatever. Everybody sort of dabbles with, well, am I going to be a musician or what? And so people yeah. would come up to me and you know say, well, I wrote a song the other day, and they'd hand me you know a, a, note, a piece of notebook paper with lyrics on it. Yeah, and I'd be like, okay, well, how, how's the guitar go or whatever? And they're like, yeah. well, it's not. There's, there's I haven't written the music yet. I was thinking maybe you could write the music. I've just got a song. I'm like, yeah. you got a poem. Right. You don't have a yeah, song. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you on that. Yeah. I do. I feel you on that. You know, I mean, uh, it, it's, I think, yeah, to me, a song is, it, there's got to be some sort of musical, whether it's, even if it's an acapella, mm-hmm. right? But there's got to be some kind of, and even if it was going to be something like, even like, um, what's his name? Uh, um, William Shatner. You know how he does his thing that it'll be like, <laughs> You ever listen to his records? Uh, like common I mean, people, right? It man, like it, dude, like that. okay, so like he did these records back. He speaks. Yeah, oh he no, I know. Speaks. Back when he did these records, and 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 we used to kind of make fun of him, right? But then, when I was working at a, um, I got my first studio job, and this guy, um, I think his name was Joe Costa. He's a great dude, great engineer, and he and and so after years 
of William Shatner not making any records, he came back and did a record, and Joe Costa did the record. He did it in Nashville. And so this is probably, I think, it, probably this would have been like around 2004 or five or something. And, and, um, so Joe Costa did this record with William Shatner, and then when uh, and then I was on a project with Joe Costa, and he came in and was listening, and he brought that record in, this this new William Shatner record, new circuit, like whenever two thousand four new. I don't know if William Shatner's done anything since then, mm-hmm. but um, but all, you know, all of a sudden it was different. I, I listened to it, I was like, dude. William Shatner's got this is killer. I'm a fan. Like before, it was sort of like this is hilarious. He did a because I remember back when I don't remember when he did this, but he did a cover of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. You should Picture listen. Yourself. Yeah, it's yeah. Like I know he yeah. just talks. <laughs> so that's what his records are like. All his records are he just talks the stuff, you know. Uh-huh. But I mean, you know, so it's like William Shatner doing spoken word, talk, rhythmic, vocal inflection stuff. <laughs> that's music. You know yeah. what I mean? He's got he's 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 thought about the whole the idea and the performance of it, you know. Yeah. That's that's a song, but yeah, to me I'm with you if it's just like, well, I just wrote this. Well, you've written a whole bunch of words. I wouldn't call it a song because there's not really a musical component. Yeah, there's you know a I mean? genre for that. It's called yeah. poetry. Yeah. But, <laughs> right. but I'm also realizing as we're talking here that I don't necessarily want to defend whatever weird definition I've developed over the years in my head because I, I don't know that it's necessarily defensible. Yeah. So I, I don't what know are you afraid really... of? Are you afraid of social media trolls coming after you or something and trying to make you like having to like defend yourself? Take a position, friend. <laughs> no. Come on, just stand for something. I'm afraid of you doing it to me right oh, now. Oh, yeah? I, uh, you think I'm going to put you on yeah, the spot? Like, well, what about what you said here, Ted? I don't yeah. think that fits with what that's, you said you earlier. You know, that's yeah. what this really is, okay? <laughs> I, I'm. I, this is gavel. yeah. This is a musical trial. Okay, this is not a podcast. All right, we're putting you through the test. Our buddies in here in the booth. Okay, these are all props. My friends are here to do an intervention. This on, is. On my are you really of worthy song. of being a musician, Ted Fox? I knew it. I had a funny feeling drumming over here. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, you know. Anyway, as as, as far as the writing process goes, you know, I. I I, I would have a hard time saying when I'm totally done with a song because you know even then when we when we get in the studio they'll have suggestions and some of the suggestions I like some of them I won't you know whatever but we're still you know always like sort of crafting something and to me it, it, it from my experience if if we end up adding something in the studio that I think qualitatively really changes the song then I I still consider that part of the writing process. Sure, I mean that sure. can happen, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But but when but that's kind of. Um, something in the moment you know what i mean i mean the song still already pre-existed even though it's like oh we kind of just unexpectedly maybe rewrote something i mean that mm-hmm. absolutely happens yeah. in the studio you know mm-hmm. but but you know anybody who most most of the time i mean sure the era gone by there's people who have gone in the studio and like they're right in the studio that happens but most of the time people are are like doing you know this have a writing process and so that they go in the studio it's just to record it you know, and to maybe shape, there, there's a, a, a level of shaping the songs or whatever. So m- for the most part, the songs already, the body of music already kind of pre-existed before you went mm. into the studio. You know what I mean? Even though it's like in the moment you could maybe rewrite stuff, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, all I'm saying is, you know, you're, you're completely wrong in your definition <laughs> of writing. Okay. So we've settled that. You're wrong. <laughs> I was I was not prepared for this no. debate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is uh, this is the uh, Nashville uh, uh, musical mayoral mayoral debate tonight. <laughs> what is a song? who is going to be the musical mayor of Nashville? Um, 
No, that's cool. Honestly, I was just I was one. I was just like interested in in that. You know, your this this um, part of your writing process is uh, how you're putting this stuff together and and doing it is really uh, it's really interesting to me. It's really cool. You know. Yeah, and, you know, it just it kind of started out as an experiment. I wonder if I could combine all those sounds. Yeah, and uh, and I'd, you know, I, I would say the the meat and potatoes of most of the songs are kind of written in the moment. You know, kind of right away. I, okay. If I if I only sort of come up with a Say a riff, but I don't ever come with a vocal part. That that can sit there forever before I ever really. It, it, some of like I have a computer full of these things that are still sitting there to this day. And uh-huh. So usually I, I have to jump on as it we right all at do. The moment. Man, yeah. I got whole hard drives full of stuff. You do too, don't oh, yeah, you? God, yes. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So are do you guys are you so do you guys collaborate in the writing process? We we have for the uh, for the live performances. Rico's come up, and you know there's another thing with the writing process. Like Rico's come up with some. Uh, some lead guitar that's sort of been uh, after the lead guitar has been recorded on the album, but to get ready for shows, um, you know, he's not only had to come up with new lead parts, but uh, places where on the album we have mandolin and fiddle. So okay. with just two guitars, it sounds a little empty. So he's had to like think outside of the box and come up with new stuff. So in a, in a way, the songs are still being written because Rico's coming in. And so you know, like, and okay, you've got this, you got this stuff that you're doing on the record, and you're shaping the songs a certain way and all that. But then the live the live version of it's kind of taking a, another shape. That's right. Yeah. Cool. That's cool. That's and a fun experience. Rico's had a huge influence on that. He's he's been awesome to work with. Wow. Yeah, man. He's cool. a fun he's a fun dude to work with. Yeah. I can I can I can speak from experience. I can only learn how to play the fiddle. That's the thing I'm missing. I'm attempting. But yeah. Well, just pick it up play. and do it, man. You know, I, it's I've just tried. like twinkle, yeah. twinkle, little star sounding yeah. pretty good. That's cool. <laughs> I've got this far to play the stuff on the album yet. That stuff is so like this fiddle and uh, it's so bizarre. The bowing is so bizarre to me. Like it's not, it's not anything in my left hand. It's just like I don't yeah. know how to do it. So I I'm, know, isn't that weird? Ebo makes it a lot easier. Yeah, on the guitar, there you go. So I can kind of yeah. mimic those stringed parts and kind of right. make some noise. And, yeah. Cool. It's also really weird because it just you know they're just not being frets on the right. instrument. Anything right. that's like not a fretted instrument. I mean, but even if you had a fretless guitar or a fretless bass or something, I can make my way around that. But it's just like like a cello or a violin or something is yeah. so foreign to me. Right. You know. Right. It's to me too. So it's just weird how you can play things out of in some weird in between note, you know what I mean? Like mm. it's cool if it's a my bloody Valentine record though. <laughs> you know? It works. I mean, it's it's kind of cool if you're, I don't know. I guess it's kind of, I've, 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 I've gnarled around on a cello before on a rock record. They're said here, do make, this. Make and a I, note. I, I came up with some stuff. You can always like, that's what's fun. You know, it's like mm. to just do things that you don't. That's why I like getting away from the guitar lately. You know, I just don't know what to do with the guitar. Give me anything but a guitar. I just don't <laughs> right. really know what to do with the guitar mm-hmm. anymore. You know? Yeah. Are you writing? Are you writing on the guitar? Yeah. You know, we've, we've already started writing on album two. Um, okay. Even, even though album one's not even really out yet, but, um, prolific. Um, I love it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of doing the same, same thing I did, uh, for, for this album that I've loved so much. Just, uh, you know, kind of come fiddling around till I come up with some sort of Mississippi John Hurt inspired thing and then think, all right, well, how do I kick the distortion pedals on here and, <laughs> and come up with the echoey ethereal guitar yeah. stuff. And, uh, you know that was the format that that really worked with uh, the last album. So, or, or I guess it's the album that's the not even out one. yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the future album, and so I'm sticking with that for the future future yeah. album. We're working yeah. on album six already. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. you've got like you got your, your greatest hits are ready to go <laughs> and all that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, killer. We're like already. Guess what? We're already at the halfway mark. Oh, man. So all right. 
Time so flies. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna get let you guys get ready to play another song. Awesome. Okay. Cool. And while you're doing that, I'm gonna do a few promotional items. Awesome. So, um, so this is it. The modern recordist. Uh, and thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for sticking with us all through the summers. We've been in this launch phase. It's been awesome. Already 15 episodes in, and uh, we're uh, we're cooking. And uh, we're brought to you by myself. I'm John Stinson, a uh, producer, recording engineer, mixing engineer, working out of Nashville, Tennessee, doing this podcast, doing have a lot of irons in the fire. In addition to uh, making records with all kinds of awesome folks around Nashville, you can hit my website johnstinson.com check out uh, stuff I blog about uh, you can listen to episodes of this podcast you can uh, check out uh, recording drums 101 which is a, a resource for simple tips for recording drums that I've put together get in touch with me if you're interested in making a record with me check out my album credits all that johnstinson.com j-o-n-s-t-i-n-s-o-n.com there's no h in john Then I want to give a shout-out to J.D. Tyner, the main man behind Glass Onion Recording, the studio that we do this podcast out of, the studio that I do pretty much all of my work out of, the studio that J.D. does pretty much all of his work out of. A lot of great things going on at Glass Onion Recording. There is an awesome selection of vintage analog gear, modern analog gear, digital gear, a cool vibey spot here in Nashville to make a record. Check it out at facebook.com slash glass onion rec go like the page check it out look at the pictures see what's been going on uh and then of course uh parish who's with us say hey parish hey hey again (laughs) um so parish is the guy who handles our engineering stuff so that i get to hang out with the guests and jd when he's around gets to hang out with the guests it's good to have you back i'm glad i'm not i'm not glad i'm not running solo for once in a while but uh yeah jd uh or uh parish rather um handles all the engineering stuff and um he's a producer engineer also uh hanging around nashville and you can check out all that he's got going on at jonathanpaulparish.com uh check out uh villain place as well it's a record label recording studio um, they do all kinds of great stuff. Tell them more about it. It's a production company, so we do music videos and uh, graphic design as well. Um, so, yeah, we're just venturing into the record label world. Uh, we just released an album uh, by a band called Ave uh, that we had on this show. Uh, I'm also a member of that band. <laughs> <laughs> Killer band, and I got uh, yeah. to I got to mix your guys' record. It was, it. it was awesome. That's That record's out now. Check that out. It's out. Um, but you can check all that out. You can get everything going on there at villainplace.com. So that's that. And now if you guys ready. You guys are ready, mm-hmm. why don't you guys hit it? Let's do another song. All right. This one's called Remains. Skin, you have fell out. Here comes the drought. A disquiet follows me around. Cut the night soul out.
gather the sprouts before they wither around The night turns a stain to a hostile shade The stepdog up remains We're offered to the flames Smoke curls through its face Out into eyes and back in through yellow Tooth decay There's something near That should be feared Black shapes move across the light there's something on its way The frostbitten air on burned up skin I wish I could climb inside her now But I destroyed her when I came out The stiff dog up remains We're offered to the flame Out empty eyes and back and through yellow tooth decay The smoke returns to space As flesh starts to pop and peel away How can one escape from a fire that burns up everything? The fungus and rot that can't be seen a touch you can never quite get clean The tendons pop inside my knees Just hold your hands and try to breathe The only thing alive in here is need The absence of all needed things But things shrivel up in the heat And dry things get swallowed up in the sea the step dog up remains We're offered to the flames Smoke curls through its face Out empty eyes and back and through yellow Tooth decay The smoke returns to space As flesh starts to pop and peel away How can one escape from a fire that burns up everything